Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hi, welcome to episode 17 of the Toward Light podcast. This week I'll be talking about the third foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of mind. I began a series a couple weeks ago on the four foundations of mindfulness. Mindfulness is this embodied, non-judgmental awareness of our present moment experience. And in the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha laid out ways that we can cultivate this mindfulness. The first foundation is mindfulness of the body. The second is mindfulness of feeling tone or Vedana. And the third foundation is mindfulness of the mind. When I began this series, it was mostly because I wanted to talk about this. Mindfulness of the mind is so important. And in the last couple months since the death of George Floyd, so much of my gaze has been turned toward cultivating anti-racism, dismantling white supremacy. And so much of that work has been internal and looking at the patterns in my mind that support white supremacy and the ways to transform that to anti-racism. It's hard to talk about mindfulness of the mind in a vacuum for me. That's why I felt it important to do this whole series to really put a lens on what is mindfulness, how do we cultivate it both in our meditation practice and outside of practice in our daily lives. I find mindfulness of the mind to be so important because thoughts drive action and action has an impact. And so if we want to change our impact on the world, if we want to have a positive impact on the world, if we want to positively affect others around us, then it is very important to get to the root of those actions, to notice what is our mind doing so that we can choose different actions, so we can choose actions that are skillful, harmonious, helpful, peaceful. In the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha is very specific about how we look at the mind. So we're still bringing that quality of bare awareness, bare attention that we cultivate in our mindfulness of the body or mindfulness of feeling tone. It's why we often start with the breath or the body because it's easier to witness. When we move towards witnessing our thoughts, we can become entangled quite quickly So we need to have the practice of what is it like to observe experience? What is it like to have this sati, this bare attention without getting entangled or getting caught up in? For this section of the sutta, I'm going to read the translation by Bhikkhu Inalio. I've mentioned him before. What I appreciate about his work, his scholarly work, his Buddhist work, is that he has learned Pali and Sanskrit and early Chinese and all of these languages that the teachings were written in. So he can then compare and contrast different teachings and try and get to the root of what the Buddha was talking about. I appreciate his translations a lot. He's spent a lot of time on the Satipatthana Sutta, and he has three books about it. Um, two are pretty dense, but he does have a third more recent book, which is a practical practice guide. I'll link to that in the show notes. Recommend checking that out. I'm going to read the sutta, or this section of the sutta. It's quite short, and then I'll unpack it. 
One knows a lustful mind to be lustful, and a mind without lust to be without lust. One knows an angry mind to be angry, and a mind without anger to be without anger. One knows a deluded mind to be deluded, and a mind without delusion to be without delusion. One knows a contracted mind to be contracted, and a distracted mind to be distracted. One knows a great mind to be great, and a narrow mind to be narrow. One knows a surpassable mind to be surpassable, and an unsurpassable mind to be unsurpassable. One knows a concentrated mind to be concentrated, and an unconcentrated mind to be unconcentrated. One knows a liberated mind to be liberated, and an unliberated mind to be unliberated. So there's these pairs of qualities that we're looking for when we're witnessing the mind. So we're not necessarily just like witnessing all our thoughts, but we're we're actually putting them into boxes in some way or noticing, oh, that's a lustful thought or that's not. So I'm going to go through these categories and just so we can get really clear about what do they mean. So when they come up in our mind, we can see them more clearly. So the first pair is lustful or without lust. That wanting energy, is that present? Is there some grasping, clinging, reaching toward? Or is that absent? I think that's a really important piece about this sutta, about this part of the sutta, is that there is this reminder to notice when things aren't there. Lust is a defilement, and it's important to notice when lust is present. It's also important to notice when it's not. It's also important to notice these moments of freedom, of stillness, of peace, of liberation. Angry and without anger, again, another defilement. So it's any of those thoughts that are about pushing away, avoiding, I don't want, I don't like, no thank you. Deluded thoughts or without delusion. This is the third of the three poisons. Important to notice when it's here, important to notice when it's not. Deluded mind is clouded, lost, not based in reality. A mind without delusion is clear, present, aware. The next pair is the contracted mind or the distracted mind. A contracted mind is sticky, sleepy, torpor. A distracted mind is restless, racing, agitated. The next pair is great or narrow. Is the mind expansive, broad, inclusive, or is it myopic and limited in view? Surpassable and unsurpassable. Surpassable means that it can be surpassed, like there is something beyond. It's kind of that real practical, basic mind state, whereas the unsurpassable are these higher understandings and broader wisdoms, this advanced knowing that we get the longer that we practice. Concentrated and unconcentrated mind, this focus or lack of focus. And then liberated or not liberated, a liberated mind is free from all defilements. And sometimes that can happen just for a second. So that's an important part is to notice those moments when there's peace in our minds. So when we're doing our meditation practice, how do we notice these things? How do we notice these categories of thoughts? When I'm witnessing my mind, I've found it useful to use some of these metaphors to help me watch my thoughts. So maybe lying back in the grass and imagining that my thoughts are like clouds passing by in the sky, 
or sitting and watching a train go by and each train car is a different thought, or seeing my thoughts like a news ticker scrolling on the bottom of a screen and just seeing them go by one by one. When we're witnessing our thoughts, we have to notice the difference between watching and thinking. Over time, that becomes more refined and clearer and clearer for each of us. The more that we practice, the more that we bring attention to this. So there is a real usefulness in taking breaks too, in starting the practice being in the body and then opening the awareness to the mind, witnessing the mind, and then maybe 10 or 20 breaths later coming back solely into the body and noticing like, oh, was I thinking the thoughts or was I truly witnessing them? A practice that can be useful, especially around thoughts, but during any part of our mindfulness practice is a noting practice. Doing a concise note of what is occurring can be as simple as future thought, past thought, future thought, past thought. can take some of these categories, some of these pairs, and say, okay, I'm going to label each thought either lust, hate, delusion, or not lust, not hate, not delusion. So I have six things and they're each going to get, each thought will get one of those six notes. It's important to keep notes short, to find a pace that feels realistic, to not be like, okay, I've got to like note every thought. Sometimes that can be hard. Sometimes imagery works like you're like putting a push pin into the thought with like a label or sticking a post-it note on it or play with it. See what makes sense for you. But again, we can use this sutta, this uh, this third foundation of mindfulness and these categories of types of thoughts to help us understand our thinking mind. Now I want to talk about how do we use this in the world? How can we see these types of thoughts in our daily life? Mindfulness is awareness, so I'm not going to talk about how to change the thoughts. I'm really interested in knowing what's really here. That's what feels most important. And the wise action will come, but we need to start by really knowing what happens in our mind, what happens in our particular system. So coming back to this pair of lustful or without lust, any thought that begins with I want, I need, anytime I'm looking at something on Instagram and I say, oh, I want that, or ooh, I wish, or oh, it's like just a grasping for. This is an opportunity for us to see thought patterns around privilege, around craving. Notice how often you want something and then how often you allow yourself to have that thing. I'm not saying that we have to deny ourselves things that are important to us or to help us take care of ourselves, but it's an important thing to notice how often those lust, those craving thoughts arise and how often we act on them. There is anger and without anger. Any thought that begins with I hate, I don't like, I wish this would go away. This is a place to see our thought patterns around hatred, alienation, separation, ways that we feel different from or other folks categorize, separate. This is also an important place without anger is when when love is present, when caring is present. To notice when we're faced with a person, what's the habit of our thinking mind? Is it anger or is it without anger? Get curious. The deluded mind or a mind without delusion, being really lost in 
uncertainty or being lost in fantasy or getting caught up even in thoughts of fictional narrative. I love a good magic book as much as the next person, but when I start to recap the plot in my head, I know that I'm deluded. I know I'm checking out in some way. So that's that's what we see. We see our thought patterns around checking out, avoidance, displacement. Where are we separating ourselves, separating ourselves from reality, really? The contracted and the distracted mind, that slow, sleepy mind, or that fast, rapid, agitated thinking. This is a place to see what can dull us or what types of thoughts kind of slow us down and what types of thoughts ramp us up. So this can be useful to know this because then we can learn to balance ourselves. Great mind versus a narrow mind. When our thoughts have a broad view, lots of empathy, lots of equanimity, or when our thoughts are very myopic and selfish. This is where we can see when we're leaving others out, when we're not seeing the big picture, when we're getting too focused on our own experience or not being able to see the impacts or the ways that we all affect one another surpassable or unsurpassable. This is a really interesting combo to see in our lives. Surpassable, you know, when we have that base level knowing, or or is there something broader? With that unsurpassable knowing, are we getting to a place where we can, not in a diluted way, but see the need for, as Martine Batchelor calls it, creative engagement, or see the need for imagination? The surpassable mind says, we can't dismantle the police, like that's what we've always had. The unsurpassable mind says, what else is possible? What could we do differently? How could we serve our communities better? Because this system isn't working. That's the unsurpassable mind. There's the concentrated or unconcentrated mind. Where's our focus? Is it split? Is it concentrated? Many of us wear many different hats and have different things that we do throughout our day. Noticing when we change roles or do different tasks, how does that affect the thinking mind? Are we still thinking about something we were doing before or are we focused on here? We can see patterns here around focus and energy. We can notice where in our lives it's easier for us to concentrate and where it's harder. And that can give us information about our patterning and how to best use our time and our energy. And the final pair, this liberated or not liberated mind, is our defilements present or absent? This is where we get to see freedom. Sometimes when I wake up first thing in the morning, before my thoughts get going, I can have this moment of peace. And so witnessing that helps me to know that that's possible at other times. Or sometimes if I'm sitting in nature, I'm taking a bath, or when I have these moments where the defilements are absent, then I know that maybe I can touch that again. So as we're going throughout our day, maybe for one day, And just say, okay, like as much as possible, I'm going to notice when I'm concentrated or unconcentrated. Or today, I'm going to notice what of my thoughts are contracted and what of them are distracted. So we don't have to do this all at once, but taking a manageable bite and just getting curious, what does my mind do? We often get so caught in the personalization of I thought about or I'm thinking. And when we can start to see that the mind is doing this, 
and that there are patterns that make sense, not always rationally, but for our particular system, we can start to understand more and more of what is going on, and we can make choices about how we act in the world. When we see, when we know these patterns, we will be more likely to catch them, which will in turn help us to change our conditioning, which in turn will help us change our behaviors. But only if we begin with this route of mindful investigation, may we all take time to know our minds so that we may be of more service in the world. And may all beings be at ease. Thank you so much for listening. The links are in our show notes. You can find me on Instagram at towardlight108 and the website is towardlight.net. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Be well.